Welcome to Ask Sam, spin-off show of uh, Urban Property Investor. Today, new podcast out. Um, check it out. It's, uh, yeah, it's a good one. It's about uh, the changing nature of real estate. Uh, yeah, I was told my shirt was not very good, so uh, I'll do the buttons up. Hey, uh, crazy market at the moment. Lots of offers flinging around left, right, and center. Today, I thought I would share some insights into a bit of a trap uh, that I see a lot of property investors fall into. Welcome aboard if it's your first time tuning in. I know you just had a session with Jason. Um, that was a good session. I was watching as well. Um, hey, welcome aboard if it's your first time tuning in. I know you guys are busy, so I won't um, won't keep you forever. But I wanted to talk you through one of the the big uh, opportunities property investors have, along with also uh, some of the, I guess, insights and a lot of the subtleties property investors miss out on when it comes to property um, investment. Morning, Chris, Allison, as always. Hey, I'm going to flip over to my um, iPad and uh, Hopefully, you guys can kind of see that. Now, I've kind of pre-drawn this because I'm a bit scruffy with how I uh, use the pen, but I wanted to talk you through some of the really problems property investors buy and try and help you potentially realize some value in some real estate you may already own. Uh, so real estate is kind of divided into two sections. One section is more of a contract business. Um, and for me, I like to t teach people to end up in a place where they've at least got four to five buy and hold properties because this stuff looks after you when you retire. This is the stuff that will pay you when you don't have a job. So buy and hold to me is probably the most critical part of property investment. But Buy and hold is actually a human business. It's about people. Uh, passive income is actually from real estate is actually about understanding humans. And humans are going to be your tenants. They're going to be the people that buy real estate off you. Buy and hold real estate is a human business. And for that reason, it needs to be understand from what human beings actually want. Um, as opposed to other types of real estate investment, which are not buy and hold, doing things like buying a block of land and subdividing it, splitting it in two and selling it. It's not really an emotional business. It's not a human business. Development, uh, quite often that's about making the mathematics work, buying a site, rezoning it, um, coming up with the strategy around how to activate a development. This is a contract business. Very, very different to a buy and hold business, which is, which is a human business. You're dealing with people. People have problems. People like tenants can, you know, have, uh, you know, all sorts of things and emotional um, reactions to real estate. So there's two types of real estate. There's contract real estate businesses and then there's buy and hold real estate businesses. I'm a big believer you want to do both, but you really need to build your foundation first, which is your buy and hold real estate business. And the sheer reason for that is you want to hold something when you don't work. 
So what I see a lot in property investment is what I call a UPV, an unrealized potential value that a lot of property investors have and they don't necessarily uh, comprehend they actually have this in their portfolio or when they're buying real estate, they kind of don't understand that actually they're buying a problem. Anytime you buy real estate, you buy problems. That's the point of being a property investor. You buy a problem, then you solve the problem. That's that's the, the concept of property investment. So when we know that we're buying problems and our solution is making humans happy uh, in a buy and hold uh, logic, then we need to look at our real estate and work out how we can make it actually better. Now, when we acquire real estate, um, there is kind of this, I guess, culture that the job is done, but actually the job just begins. And as soon as you acquire, you need to really factor in consolidation. Now, you can consolidate uh, real estate by consolidating debt. Uh, you can consolidate real estate by working on a rental growth plan, or you can consolidate real estate by working on a growth plan from your assets point of view. If you're going to keep the asset, you consolidate, you work out how do you make this problem work, right? Because you have bought a problem. Now, one of the things I see a lot with real estate is property investors buy generally properties which are not or haven't had kind of the Midas touch by an owner-occupier. And when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because why would you go to the extra expense of making a property absolutely awesome if you're not going to live in it? Now, there was some logic around, well, I'm never going to live in the property, so why would I ever improve it? I think those days are really over. And when I look on realestate.com and domain.com and surf the internet for deals, it is very obvious which property is owned by an investor and which property is owned by an owner-occupier. And it's also very obvious what the market is wanting to pay for a very nice owner-occupied property. Uh, they will pay up to 30% more for the same property if it's had the Midas touch by the owner-occupier. Now, this goes back to our original conversation. There's kind of two types of businesses we run as a property investor. We run a people business and we can run a contracts business. Again, uh, a lot of the logic of owning a buy and hold portfolio comes from the contract section, but it doesn't work because real estate is an opinion sport. If more people have a better opinion about a property, they're going to rent it for more. And they're going to pay more for it. It's as simple as that. Some properties today uh, in this crazy marketplace have 25 people wanting to buy the same property. The same property can be sold 25 times over. Now, I'm making a lot of offers on properties every single day, and I can tell you that uh, the properties which have very good buy and hold human interface are going for the most. The ones which have 
basically a sterile investor look and feel are not achieving um, the same results. But that's okay. We've just got to recognize as a property investor, we buy problems. That's the point of being a property investor. So um, appeal, this section here equals dollars. That's as simple as real estate is. You've got to buy something and then improve the appeal and that will equal dollars. And now when you think about someone who typically lives in a property, they work on the appeal of that asset daily, daily. They'll uh, think about going to Bunnings. They'll think about putting new curtains in. They'll constant because they're living it, they're feeling it, and they're seeing it. And so detail is uh, is really the conversation. Now, as a property investor, we often buy real estate with a desktop point of view, a helicopter point of view, but it's actually the detail that brings a lot of money for people and improves the value for real estate assets. Now, again, these are really simple things, but so many property investors don't do it. Had a client uh, last month um, have to sell a property. She got into some financial challenges in her home state of Adelaide. She owned a property in Brisbane. Um, she bought the property. It was uh, two years old. Um, she's uh, done nothing to the property. Um, it was a project home, like a house and land package. And we told her before she goes to market, if she was to spend around $15,000 doing some um, uh, some detail, she would probably get about $50,000 more in um, her sale. And she didn't want to do it. She didn't want to put the pain in. She didn't want to. Um, she didn't want to spend the money, basically. So she took a desktop approach to that sale. She still did really well. Um, she ended up pulling out about seventy-five thousand dollar gain, but it could have been one hundred and twenty-five thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand dollar gain just by doing some things by being human, by adding some humanistic experience to a buy and hold property. So these are the types of things I see all the time. And whether you're buying um, a new property or an old property, you're going to run into this um, as a property investor. And I think quite often because people do buy new properties because there is a lot of benefits to new properties, they kind of forget that even buying a new property, it can be a little bit sterile. It can be a little bit bland. It can be um, a lacking a little bit of pizzazz, I would say. So our job as a property investor is to bring the pizzazz. That's the point of being a property investor. Now, when do you bring the pizzazz? Do you bring it straight away? Well, remember acquisitions, if you like, is, is um, about recycling deposits. So you bring it if you can recycle deposits for sure. You leave it if you are potentially are better off just spending the money and buying more assets, right? But between five and 15 years, you usually want to be able to bring a bit of the, uh, the soul, so to speak, to a property. So what are some simple things to uh, activate the detail that owner occupiers pay more for. And renters, renters, the same thing. 75% of renters in the market will pay more 
pay more rent if the property was nicer. Um, and that is a, a, a pretty interesting statistic. Again, most property investors don't really consider. Now, I look at properties all day, every day, and I can tell you, uh, I can see from a mile when a property investor, even positive real estate property investors own a property because it looks exactly like it was the day they bought the property, exactly like it. It has not changed. There's no flare. There's no curtains. There's no... And so your job, just realize any property you're buying, you're buying a problem. Um, so the first one, which I think is a nice, simple one to do is always paint, right? Um, what I often see is investors will um, obviously just let let properties decay um, and owner-occupiers will constantly do things like touching up properties, painting it, making sure a property looks really, really good. Probably the easiest one I think to add value and I always do this myself is landscaping. Now, it's quite often when you buy obviously a house um, particularly if it's a project home, it won't come with landscaping. So you look at the backyard and you've got um, fencing, which is basically um, not painted. You've got uh, a garden where there is no garden bed. And really between fencing and painting, I think it's, one, uh, sorry, fencing, landscaping and painting, I think you've literally got um the ability to activate um, activate uh, a better look and feel for a property straight away, straight away. Now, um, again, like you go into a backyard of a project home, it's unpainted treated pine fencing with no trees. And you go into an owner-occupier's home, it's the polar opposite. It's painted fencing, it's it's vines growing on the fences. It's uh, potentially, um, it's potentially landscaped. It's got a garden bed. It's got uh, hedges. Uh, you, you know what I mean. It looks nice, right? So the sheer fact that you're in a human business and then you offer the market something that doesn't even look nice, then all of a sudden, um, the longer you keep that without uh, activating it, the more unrealized potential you have in your property. And again, these are just simple things. Like I always do this. I always do this. And sometimes you don't buy it if you're building new because it's expensive from the builder. It's easier to give up two or three weekends and just go to Bunnings and do this stuff yourself, right? Um, so what other things? Uh, the street appeal. The street appeal requires a lot of effort. And again, these are things like fencing, which to me just makes so much sense for properties. Uh, I was looking at a property yesterday and it's got the best fence you can imagine um, that is just unpainted and un unloved. And what that is doing to people who drive past the property and renters is making the property actually less interesting to humans. All that needs to happen is paint the fence and put some trees up, um, buy some bottle brush, some Australian natives, um, some agaves. All of a sudden, you've created landscaping and a better front um, appeal. So um, 
it's it's amazing that property investors never do this stuff. And I always do this stuff. I always, always put aside some money um, to to make my property stand out to be the first rented, even in the new section of the market. Um, and like in apartments, like what I've typically done is things like feature walls. Like it's amazing to me you can look online and you see very homogenous, um, sterile assets that, you know, just with a coat of paint or even some wallpaper or in apartments, curtains, um, better appliances uh, is such a great way to increase rents and attract better value. Um, flooring is a big one. And again, this happens a lot, even in new construction, when you buy a property, you might get, you know, I don't know, polyester carpet that is put into the property. That doesn't mean you have to have that polyester carpet for the rest of your life. You could put some engineered flooring in, you could put some timber down. All of a sudden, that creates a better look and feel to the property. And it's exactly what an owner-occupier would do. And so tapware, windows, um, for me, like I'm always working out, well, uh, for a property, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in if I can ever turn a door into a bifold door, I'll go and do it because it just creates more indoor-outdoor flow for a property. Um and, you know, little things with apartments, you know, like I typically put a breakfast bar in the apartments I own because, again, um, the balcony is is a key space for people. That is their uh, second place, if you like. And if you can make it better for them, why uh, not use owner-occupier logic? So in my apartments, I've got uh, basically breakfast bars and I've got wet kitchens. In other words, I've got approval to put an outdoor kitchen on uh, on the property. So these are the types of things you've got to think about. Um, I'm not saying one is everything's perfect for your property. Some of uh, your properties, no doubt, don't need any of this stuff right now. But the point is, um, you know, you can see a huge amount of difference in a property market boom for assets which are well cared for as opposed to assets which, um, you know, are not. And if you are selling, and particularly uh, in this consolidation phase, perhaps you're going to sell some real estate one day, I highly recommend, uh, you know, making sure you bring appeal to the property uh, to bring the dollars. Don't just think that you've just bought a property and that's it. Um, again, you've got to go into, as soon as you acquire, you're consolidating. You're like, well, how do I actually make this property better? Oh, it's a newer property, but I can still make it better. I could do, um, you know, bifold doors. I could rearrange the balcony. I could rearrange the fencing. I could paint the fence. Um, again, like uh, we've got to realize that um, investors, you know, though it feels like a lot of money for us, um, you know, most investments of 400, 500, 600, you know, 700, maybe now $800,000. And though that sounds like a lot of money, to be brutally honest, it's no longer a lot of money. And so, um, uh, 
uh, you know, we've got to bring some of this stuff into what we do. Whenever we buy real estate, I bought a property, same properties as a lot of the clients bought. I bought one, um, you know, in uh, Brisbane just recently. Um, um, it's being built and I've chosen and I've chosen the upgrades. I chose all the upgrades. And the reason is, again, it comes back down to if you're buying and holding, you're in the business of people. If you're flipping real estate, doing a development, maybe doing a land subby, you're in the business of contracts, not people. Uh, in some respects, this section is a lot easier because you are not involved with people. Um, so... Uh, but as I alluded to, you know, trading real estate, um, yeah, you know, you need something when you are not going to work. Hey, Ella said, thanks, Sam. My husband and I have been debating about adding a few features to our new property apartment, um, that we live in and would like to make it a rental. It is lacking storage and in the kitchen and privacy on the balcony, hundred percent, hundred percent um storage is a big one um and you know recently interesting enough right um sometimes within strata schemes there's uh space right and what happens in strata schemes is uh perhaps in the garages or sometimes in some nook and crannies of the building there's all this voids basically space and the strata scheme because uh fundamentally you know you might have you know 30 people in the scheme um consensus is always hard people you know it's 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 hard work you know people um will you know debate things to the cows come home it's like the you know united nations sometimes being in a strata scheme but when uh you have practical people uh what we did recently in one of our strata schemes is we created uh around 40 um storage cages and they went on title um and they became purchasable for $6,000. So we actually raised around, what's that, 40 times six, I don't know, call it $280,000 by selling um, more space, which was unused in the store, in the Stratus game, but also what that did to the assets that, um, or the, the vendors in the scheme, they ended up um, with, you know, I think an extra six square meters of storage. Um, the space was already there. It just wasn't put on title. And one of the best ways to think about adding values to an apartment is to look at the spare inventory within the complex and, um, yeah, use it, use it because strata schemes, sometimes when they're set up, they're just set up very, um, simply, you know, there's a car park, there's an apartment. But then you go into this game and you're like, there's 300 square meters of unused space. Like, should we, should we do something with this space? And then bringing people together and coming up with a solution, you can get a development application and change the space. And um, I've been lucky to do that with uh, a couple of um, the, the buildings I've been involved with, and it adds huge amounts of value.
So um, sometimes with um, apartments, don't just think about the space internally. Think about the external space. What could we use to activate? And um, quite often in many um, owners' corporation schemes, there's a lot of wasted space that just needs someone with a bit of vision to actually, um, you know, go and take that to a meeting and and uh, get it going, get it going. Um, I'm I've got uh, a property at the moment which, when it was built, it had a void uh, for uh, like it's there's nothing in here, and um, all of the apartments have these voids. The reason they have voids is the car park ratio for the developer who constructed it. He had to reduce the size, otherwise he would need he he was going to need to put more car spaces in the complex, and so he just created an airspace, and that airspace is about ten square meters, and every apartment has this ten square meters that we've got to work out now how to take back, um, which will bring a huge amount of dollars, probably worth about a hundred thousand dollars alone, based on um, based on the square meter rate, um, and like as council has changed its density, this void is now um, available for for us as property investors. Anyway, um, I'm probably dragging on a bit now. So, uh, hey, thanks for for listening in. And uh, just remember, you're in the people business. So provide some value. Thanks, guys. 